Los Angeles is a mega city in a state of perpetual change, where long-standing neighborhoods are rebranded with new names and history can be obscured with a new building or freeway. Hello, I'm radio producer Ruxandra Guidi. And I'm Bear Guerra, a photographer. And this is South of Fletcher, stories from the bowtie. We live here in L.A. We're married, and we've been creating audio and photo documentaries together for 13 years. We've partnered with the arts organization Clock Shop to tell a story of urban development, to try to make sense of life in this fast-paced and forever-changing city. This is a story about a quiet sliver of L.A. not many people know about, the Bowtie Parcel, a narrow, 18-acre plot of land next to the Los Angeles River, an empty lot that's full of history and possibility. Here we are with our bonus episode, Long Live Ryan. Back when Bear and I were just starting this project, we were researching the old Taylor Yard and how it was slated to become a state park. It was early spring, 2017. We'd visited the Bowtie Parcel a few times, trying to get a sense of who comes here, how this place changes over time, and what it all means for a city like Los Angeles. Usually, whenever we visited, the Bowtie looked exactly the same to us, and we'd rarely cross paths with another human being. If it was early enough in the morning, we might see a coyote or a rabbit hopping between the bushes. We'd pass the same big pile of rocks and construction debris as we enter the site. We'd see the overgrown fig tree in the middle of the bow tie and the Mexican fan palms dotting this otherwise desolate landscape. But then one morning, something was different. There was a wooden cross about three feet tall planted right on top of the dirt a few hundred yards from the entrance. On it, someone had written with a black marker, R.I.P. Ryan. A week or so later, we returned and found a makeshift altar at a street corner, just down from the liquor store in the neighborhood next to the bow tie, which we call the pocket. These kinds of memorials are commonplace around Los Angeles. They typically include tall votive candles and flowers, and even stuffed animals, as well as messages of love from friends and family of someone who died or was killed. They are haunting reminders of life and death in this big city. This altar, only half a mile away from the cross in the bow tie, was also for someone named Ryan. I spent days trying to figure out who Ryan was, but at first I couldn't really explain why I wanted to know. Here was someone who had clearly been loved in life and now missed in death, and who had a connection to the bowtie, this lonely landscape next to the river in the middle of this crazy city. If Ryan cared about this place, with its piles of construction debris and overgrown bushes, then we might be able to get some hints from him or at least from his memory, of why we should care about this place, too. And then, finally one day, I found Ryan online. He was a teenager. His Facebook profile showed him leaning on a spike, smiling. Behind him, the bow tie. 
I also found this from CBS News. And we're getting a look at security video that shows the moment just before the man was hit in the middle of the street here. Now friends and family have left flowers and candles. They are hoping to find closure. His name was Ryan Correas, and he was 19. Late one night two winters ago, Ryan was crossing Fletcher Drive, just a couple of blocks from his dad's apartment. Fletcher Drive, I would later find out, was one of the busy streets in Los Angeles with the highest rates of pedestrian accidents and deaths. Ryan had almost reached the sidewalk on the other side of the busy road when he was hit by a car. The driver never even stopped. Either way, Ryan Correas was left for dead. His father is now pleading for justice. Just have a message to the driver, whoever you are. Just come forward. I struggled with whether or not I should reach out to the family. They never caught the driver who hit him. I made a few phone calls and left messages, thinking nothing would come of it. And then, one day, Ryan's father called me back. I met Edwin for brunch one Sunday morning at a restaurant near the Bowtie. Edwin refers to Ryan in the present tense as if he were still alive. He's a very joyful person. He's full of love. And if you, if you would have met him, you would have fell in love with him. He's like, wow, he's like a, like a teddy bear. Like, you could go over and hug him. Edwin took out his phone and played me a video slideshow that one of Ryan's friends had put together with music. That's him when he was a baby. Full of pictures of Ryan. But look at him, he's a tall guy. Yeah, my son was five, he was almost six feet tall. He was a big boy. I told Edwin why I was interested in his son, because I was researching the bow tie. It turns out Edwin didn't know much about the old rail yard until after his son's death. After the hit and run, he learned that it had been Ryan's favorite hangout spot. He and his friends would go there on weekends and ride their bikes and skateboards around or just sit by the river and talk for hours. Sometimes, his crew of high school friends would light a bonfire and have a party. The first days after that he was at the hospital, they used to come to the hospital, they used to tell me. It was like midnight, one in the morning. And they're like, we're here, we're coming from Bowtie because we went to hang out with him over there, now we want to come and hang out with him here. I was like, guys, but look at what time is it. Like it's okay. Ryan never regained consciousness after the hit and run. Five days after an ambulance took him to the hospital, he died. I remind myself of things he used to say to me. Or I'll sit at the house, I'll sit at the house and be like, look at a, at a, at a spot of the house and just imagine him that he's, he's there, passing by. And then he looks at me. What are you doing, Pops? You're boring. And then he'll walk away. <laughs> That's how I keep it. I guess I could probably say I haven't accepted the really, really. The, in a way, I'm like half and half on that. So I think that's helping me at least in my end. But overall, it's, it's a work in progress.
Ryan's friends usually hung out of the bow tie at night, but they agreed to meet Bear and me here on a sunny fall day. Edwin also came, as well as Ryan's mother. She chose not to speak to us for this story, but I knew this was her and Edwin's first time at the bow tie, and it was a big deal. It was close to the one year anniversary of Ryan's death, and here we all were, hanging out at his old stomping grounds. We got to talk to his friend, Joshua Roberts. I met Ryan my freshman year. I didn't know any of them, so I was just alone. I was a straight A student. I'd get home, play video games for like 10 hours, and then that was my day. I didn't play any sports, nothing. Until one day, Joshua met Ryan in biology class, and they realized they had video games in common. He couldn't play at all during the week. And on Thursdays, he played one hour, remember? Thursdays, one hour, and then Friday, Saturday, he could play all he was. And Sunday, he had to get off at 9. I remember that perfect. And uh, even when we'd be hanging out outside of school, he had to get home before it got dark, remember? Yeah, I remember. It's getting dark, I gotta get home. He listened to his dad, and his dad had strict rules, and he followed them. He respected his father. His father seems really happy when he hears Joshua say this, proud that his son was a good kid. Ryan was also like any other teenager who loves to stay out late. A few years ago, Ryan and his crew discovered the bow tie and decided to make it their place. You know, like the bow tie is just like, it's very convenient. It's like it's close by to, near ho- to his house and it's not that far of a bike ride from mine. So it was just like me and him, we would just listen to music. We don't actually just sit there for hours at a time. Andrew Soyano also talked about Ryan as if he were still here just a few feet away. And it wasn't until he started going to school, it was like when he's had to like work and then go to school and it was like, we had to try to find time to hang out, but we still made the best of it. And it all connected back to the boat side because whenever we'd hang out, we'd always come here. By the time Ryan died, he and his friends had already graduated high school. Ryan had started working in a mechanic shop and was going to college part-time. Kicking it at the bow tie wasn't as easy anymore, but they all still managed to make it there. That that crew that you had in coming here, like that's changing, right? No. No, it's still happening. <laughs> no, cause I'm a truck driver, so I'm up and down California all the time, oh, and I'm here. I'm here every Monday. Yeah, I see everyone. Even though we're not here, I see everyone every other Monday, every other weekend. Sergio Gonzalez had driven from where he lives a couple of hours north of Los Angeles to be at the bow tie on this day. Yeah. I, I don't mind the drive as a truck driver. I drive like five, six, seven hours a day sometimes. Yeah, you know, you have like the weekdays, everybody working, doing their stuff, and doing whatever they have to do. And then come the weekends, like we all come together and hang out. We couldn't hang out like all night or just for a couple hours, but. It's been almost two years since Ryan was killed. And in their own way, his friends are trying to preserve what they had when he was still around, when they were worry-free and going to high school nearby. But they know that might soon change. So there is the plan for a park. Um, Is that, in your mind, is that better? Like a nice grass, trees, park where everyone's welcome? Or do you almost, would you be sad to see this go? Which is kind of like, you know, that's 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 like our spot i i say that's our spot now and i mean we're not trying to be selfish you know it'll be cool but justice martyr tells me it'll be cool and it'll be different or maybe it won't be that different that'll depend on how the people who care about this piece of land who live near it and who want to have a say in its future become involved in the process 
You know, like, we could be involved in it. I know they have, like, meetings and stuff like that. And we could keep stuff like the pit and... Would you want to be, like, engaged in the future of this park and stuff? Is that what you're saying? If if it came down to it, I would, I would. But, yeah, I think our word, words mean something. Our opinion is something. Justice says if Ryan were still around, he'd probably want to speak up, too. But only after sitting for a while by himself on a bench by the river, like he often liked to do. The cross memorializing Ryan is no longer at the bow tie, but I know his friends are still coming around. This past summer, someone spray-painted Long Live Ryan in big black and white cursive letters on the asphalt, just a few feet from where the cross had been. But whoever painted the tag seems to have had second thoughts and changed one of the letters from an I to an O. Now it reads, Long Love Ryan. In observance of Dia de los Muertos, clock shop and artist Carmina Escobar are building a communal altar at the Bowtie. If there's someone you'd like to honor, join them on November 1st. You can learn more about this event and our project south of Fletcher at clockshop.org. Next on South of Fletcher, stories from the Bowtie. Possibilities, or what the future might hold. That's out in one week. This series is produced by Clock Shop and Phonographia Collective. Our editor is Ibi Caputo. Music is from Luis Guerra. Funding comes from California Humanities, the National Endowment for the Arts, and the Wilhelm Family Foundation. For more information and to see Bear's photos, visit clockshop.org. I'm Ruxandra Guidi. Thanks for listening.